And go to the rock. Praise the Lord. The rock won't move. Amen. You can go to him. And he'll be right there. Amen. All right. Praise God. Go over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I go to the rock quite often. Quite often. Romans chapter 7. I probably read this chapter, Romans 6, 7, and 8, more than anything else in the Bible, because I, I read it pretty regular. And my purpose for that is trying to get understanding concerning what they're talking about there, because... Because you can, you can take the Word of God and you can condemn with it. You can condemn an individual. You can condemn them right to hell. Which I do not believe is God's will. Or you can take the Word of God and you can build a person up. Strengthen them and encourage them. And, and you can cause people to come to God with the Word of God. But if we misuse it, See, a lot of times, preachers do this, counselors do this. They try to present to you a gospel to make you understand your imperfections and your faults. But they do that as if they are perfect. I'm perfect. And you can't get there. See, because I'm always preaching down to you. Always preaching you sinned. Always preaching you've missed God. And always trying, and in the process of doing that, and I haven't done that, but I'm using myself because other people get mad if I use them. They, I, I, in process of doing that, trying to get people to respond to what you're saying by like coming to the altar and saying, I've sinned. I'm, for some reason or another, that makes people feel like they've accomplished, preachers feel like they have accomplished preaching. And, and in all reality, if I can preach to you a sermon that will build you up and make you strong, that you don't have to come down and ride these altars every Sunday, I feel like I've done a better job. Amen. But in Romans chapter 7, we, we find here Paul dealing with the law and with grace. And he's dealing with sanctification. He's dealing with learning how to walk in the Spirit of God. So God created, what we have to understand is why God created the law. Well, the law was created to expose sin, but the law brought with it guilt and condemnation. Now, Adam didn't begin life with the law. He began life with the, uh, the, uh, uh, 
I'm looking for the word. Dispensation of innocence. There it is. Adam began with innocence. Then after the fall took place there, the dispensation of the promise took place. Now see, I know this is difficult to explain to a Pentecostal church, but in the, from the time of innocence through that dispensation of promise up to the law, that dispensation of promise had no law in it. Abraham lived in the midst of that promising dispensation. So now when Abraham lived there, and other people lived there, everybody from Adam up to Moses lived there. So when, when Abraham living there, people, preachers like to preach, Abraham told a lie, but it wasn't accounted to him as a lie because there was no law against it. God had not given a law against telling a lie. And, well, he was married to his half-sister. She was, Sarah was his half-sister. And, and so, well, that, well, there was no law against that. Understand what I'm saying? And so if there's no law against it, there's no sin committed. Now, now there's a law against it today, so don't be going marrying your kinfolk. Amen. Don't be marrying your kinfolk. They're your cousin. I don't care which one there is, the first one or the tenth one. Leave them alone. Amen. Leave them alone. Go find somebody else that's not kin to you. You probably can't get along anyway. But God created the law and Moses come along and the people were delivered out of uh, Egypt. And then as they began to travel, then they began to, to do certain things. And God said there had to be a law that was given to, so that you will know what pleases me and what doesn't please me. So they called it the law, and the law is sin. So God created the law to expose sin. I didn't mean the law was sin. I meant law was exposing sin. But the law brought with it guilt and condemnation. See, when you become a Christian, you are to live by the Spirit and not by the law. A lot of people still trying to live by the law in the New Testament. So through Jesus Christ, you are set free from the law. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. It's over with. I mean, Jesus completed it and, and finished it and put uh, the end to it on Calvary's cross. So walking in the Spirit is the power to live according to the Word of God and not the dictates of your flesh or, or, or carnal way of thinking. So see, this carnal way we have of thinking hadn't got anything to do with the law. In reality, it's just that that's, the, that's our sinful nature that we've had all these years until we were born again. So to renew a person's mind takes takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes effort. It takes time. In other words, I can say it to you like this. How many of you found out the more longer you were saved 
at the beginning, you didn't know what to do. You just, you just knew you was going to come to church. You just knew you was going to read your Bible. You just knew you was going to do some things. Well, that's because somebody told you. But, but, but in the reality of that, uh, you didn't know really what pleased God. You were just doing what somebody told you to do. And they told you that that pleased God. So you probably, probably adapted that into your lifestyle because somebody told you. There's nothing wrong with teachers and people trying to help you, but sometimes people are trying to get you to please them and not please God. All right. I was up in a... In a Tennessee, I don't know if I told you this or not. And uh, we had this uh, comedian there. He's a Christian comedian. And uh, he was, did I tell you? I think I told you. And when you said that, it just blew me. So I, I'm going to say it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so the Christian comedian, he began to talk. And he, he goes to uh, Bishop Eddie Long's church. And he said, in the first service, there's a lady in there that when he's preaching, She'll stand up. Say that. Say that. Come on, Bishop. Say that. And, and in the third service, there's a lady in there that she'll stand up and say, you better shut up. You better shut up now. You better shut up. So they don't know what's going to happen if they both come to the second service. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, but he said, say it. So I thought, if somebody over here stands up and says, shut up, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> Amen. But God is so good to us. Amen. So people, a lot of times, are trying to get you to, to satisfy them more than they're trying to get you to satisfy God. Because most of churches, and Lord, I hate, I don't like talking about churches, but I have to, because most of them have got a list of things you can do, can't do. And a lot of those things are not even in the Bible. They're trying to be the Holy Spirit to you, and they can't do it. But believers, listen to me now, we, when we begin to renew our mind, it's a process that lasts a lifetime. That we have to continually get the Word of God. See, I can, I can be reading the Word of God and going through here in the Word of God and, and I'll run into a promise that I haven't, haven't seen really before and I'll begin to look at that. Well, then immediately I'll begin to renew my mind to it. i begin to say something like, Lord, I receive that right now. I want that in my life right now. And I'll begin to confess that promise into my life. And i begin to renew my mind into the process of receiving that promise into my life because I want that active in me. I want it to work within me. I don't want it to, to, to just lay here on the pages of this book and not be used in my life. I want it used in my life. So, so, so renewing your mind is a continuation of life uh, that you live. And so, see, walking in the Spirit is the power to live according to God's Word and not the dictates of your carnal mind or carnal way of thinking. So, so now, when I say carnal way of thinking, doesn't necessarily, I doesn't, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about it's just a car, it's a way of thinking opposite of the Word of God. Because you can have good thoughts, 
that that come out of carnality. I mean, I mean, when I say carnality, don't don't con, that's not condemnation or anything. That's just your old way of thinking. So so we 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 if it was sin, we'd all go to hell. Amen. Amen. See, believers are no longer subject to sin. Now, hear what I'm saying. When you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. Hear what I'm saying now. See, the law was created by God to expose sin so that you would know what not to do. But it will not deliver you from your sinful nature. What am I saying? I'm saying you still have the ability to sin if you want to. God didn't take away your ability to choose. He didn't take away you being a free moral agent. You're still a free moral agent. And God left you that way because the way He created you and you have the ability to sin even though you've been born again. <coughs> you, you also can have the ability to not want to sin. Amen. You don't have to enact that sinful nature, but it never goes away. His laying dormant there. I mean, how many of you good uh, uh, tongue-talking Christians have ever wanted to hit somebody? Hmm? Amen. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> Amen. How many of you ever wanted to hit somebody? Well, well, if you didn't hit them, well, but you had a carnal thought about hitting them, you, you, it was there, the opportunity arose, you could have, amen, and it probably wasn't your conviction of a Christian that kept you from doing it. It was probably they bigger than you. <laughs> and you was afraid they'd hit you back. <laughs> Some of y'all look at me like y'all just did that. But anyway, Romans chapter 7. And I'm going to read some out of the, uh, the Amplified Version, some out of the uh, King James Version. Amen. So it's to try to get this, this, this into us this day. All right, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members by, uh, to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Let me read that in the other one. But now we are discharged from the law, discharged, praise God, done away, and have terminated all intercourse with it. Now that simply means uh, uh, terminated all intimate relationships with it. Having died to what once restrained and held us captive. That was what held us captive, the law. The law sin. The sin, not the law, the sin. So now we serve not under uh, obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the promptings of the Spirit in newness of life. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said that thou shalt not covet. Other words, he, they, they, with, unless there was a law against the lust, then there's no sin. But there's a law against it, so that's sin. Hear me now. But sin taking occasion by the commandment, 
wrought in me all manner of conspicuency, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. He said, when the commandment came, he said, he said I didn't know the law and I was alive without it. But when the commandment came, I received it and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandments might become exceeding sinful. Let me jump over here now. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am a creature of the flesh, carnal, unspiritual, having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I am baffled, bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. Uh, he can't stop. Without Jesus, you can't stop. Without being born again, you can't stop. Now, if I do habitually what is contrary to my desire... That means that I acknowledge and agree that the law is good, morally excellent, and that I take sides with it. However, it is no longer I who, be, who do the deed, but the sin principle which is at home in me and has possession of me. Boy, you need to get a hold of that now. Look what he said. Let me do the King James Version. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul said, I'm not sinning. It's not me. It's the sin that's in me. It's that sin nature that's in me that's doing the sinning. He said, I don't want to, but I can't stop. Why? Because there's no Christ there yet. There's no born again experience there yet. There's no blood of Jesus over him. He's talking to this Roman church here. And he's talking about his past experience, how he served under the law, and now how he serves under grace. Now, he'll get to grace in a little bit. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. <laughs> I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Has any of you tried to live right before you were saved? Amen. Yeah, I did. I did. I tried to not sin, but sin was in me. <laughs> and it did its job. For I failed to practice the good deeds. I desire to do, but the evil deeds that I do not desire to do are what I am ever doing. Now, if I do what I do not desire to do, it is no longer I doing it. It is not myself that acts, but the sin principle that dwells within me fixed and operating in my soul. So I find it to be the law 
rule of action of my being that when I want to do what is right and good, evil is ever present with me and I am subject to its insistent demand. For I endorse my delight in the law of God in my inmost self with my new nature. Praise God. But I discern in my bodily members in the sensitive appetites that wills of the flesh a different law, rule of action, a war against the law of my mind, my reason, and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs, in the insensitive appetites and wills of the flesh. Oh, unhappy and pitiful and wretched man am I. Don't you know? When you are torn between two opinions, that, that oh, unhappy and pitiful and wretched man am I. Boy, that double-minded stuff can make you miserable. Who will release and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death? Oh, thank God, He will. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Lord. So then indeed I myself, with the mind and heart, serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. See now, the law was created by God to expose sin so that you would know what to do and what not to do. It was, it was a law that you shall not kill. It's a law that you shall not covet. It's a law you shall not steal. It's a law how you, how you treat your neighbor and on and on and on. But the law was given by God. Amen. Remember that. So the purpose of the law is to expose sin and make people aware of wrong behavior. So the law is not the enemy. It just reveals the truth about sin. And that's all it does. Things are not sinful unless there is a law stating them as such. See, see a lot of times when we get into church, we find there's some rules there that there's no scripture or law stating that that rule is, is of such, is of sin. But it puts you in condemnation with, with the preacher and everybody else. Without the law, you, you uh, would not know a particular behavior was sinful. See, the law was given to, get, to give life, but instead it brought guilt and condemnation. Now, when you are under the law, you are subject to the judgment of the law. So, so if you was under the law and it said, an, an eye for an eye, well... If you took someone's eye, you were going to give your eye. That doesn't sound too good. Tooth for a tooth, you're going to trade toothies. And so, so, you know, but it's what the penalty of breaking the law was whatever it says that it was. If it says that, that if you do a certain thing, then it's death to you, well, then you will die if you do it. So when you're under the law, you're subject to the judgment of that law because, because Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden, man is sinful by nature. He has a carnal mind. And man is not released from this sinful state just because of the law. It took Jesus Christ dying on Calvary's cross to release man from that. So Christians are to walk in the Spirit because they have been liberated from the law 
through Jesus Christ. Why? Well, I'm telling you, there was the law, but now there's the Spirit. The law is in no more effect. The Jesus done away with those Ten Commandments and gave you two commandments. Number one, that you love God with all of your heart and all of your might. Well, if you do that, if you do that, if you love God that way, well then, are you surely going to do what it takes to obey Him? Absolutely. You're not going to kill anybody, steal nothing. You're going, to, you're going to give life and you're going to give unto people instead of taking from people. And then He said that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, if we love our neighbor as ourselves, then what kind of neighbor are they going to be? And what kind of neighbor are you going to be? Because everyone you meet in this life is your neighbor. Amen. Amen. And so you treat them the way that you would want to be treated. You treat them the way that you want them to treat you. What? You want somebody to be good to you. You want somebody to be kind. You want somebody that's got joy unspeakable and full of glory in their life. You want goodness and, 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 and have patience and all the fruit of the Spirit in your life toward that individual with no condemnation. So walking in the Spirit means walking and living according to the Word of God. Now church, I'm, I'm telling you, I know you, most of you look like you're about bored to, to the end with this, but, but that's the way it is. This, I'm talking about living a Christian life. Now we can hoop and holler if you want to. I can do it. Amen, don't bother me a bit. I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing you hoot and holler a little bit. Amen. It's, it, it does me good to see. It encourages me when you get with me. But, but when we start talking about doing right, then people get bored with that. Amen. Amen. They get bored with living right. Oh, they, they want to come into church and they want to dance and shout. I remember the, the preacher that was out at one of the conferences uh, a couple of years ago and and you know, there's something I never have understood. I can't understand why the people in the pew want to stand up and holler at the preacher. Think about this now. Who are you there to hear? And if you're hollering at him and nobody can hear him, oh, y'all don't like this. Let me say this. But anyway, he said the, the service was going and boy, he said they were dancing, hollering, the organ was playing and boy, he was, he was doing all kind of stuff and, and said he was standing in the pulpit and said, hamburger, 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 hamburger. And he said they shout and shout and shout until they just dropped. What? That's the, they're not shouting because of what he's saying. They don't even hear him. They're shouting and dancing because they like to shout and dance. I think we ought to just have a service for that. Amen. Put on some music. Come on in. Get her going. Amen. Pull off your shoes if you want to. Shout and dance. Get your hair down a little bit. Praise God. Go ahead. Y'all mad at me yet? Oh, well, I'll work a little harder. Walking in the Spirit means walking and living according to the Word of God. Walking in the flesh is walking and living in opposition to the Word of God. See? Some of y'all just got mad at me. you in opposition to the Word of God. There is no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit. And when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you died to your flesh and became free from the law. 
Glory to God. That ought to make you shout a little bit. See, the law applies to a person that is living. All right, now I'm going to show you something. Now keep an open mind as we do this. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Now see the, the, the changeover. Paul was in the middle of the changeover, going from the dispensation of the law to the dispensation of grace or the Holy Spirit. So he has to do a lot of teaching. And he's using an example here. He says, for the woman. Now notice he's saying about the man. It's them women been doing all that sin. <laughs> Y'all, okay, 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 okay. Hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. Uh, I heard no woman say amen. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law. Now I wonder what he's bound to. <laughs> See, in under the law, it didn't touch him. This didn't touch him. It was just her. See, he could have three, four, five, six wives. She couldn't have but one husband. All right. For the woman, y'all mad yet? For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. That's the only way she's going to get loose too. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Now, get this in your mind before you let your mind, little mind, go, go wandering all out there in that world of adultery. Paul is making an illustration here. He's not talking about you being married. Not you. Hear me? He's talking about under the law. Got me? Okay. Don't raise your hand, but some of you have been married more than once and that old boy's still alive. <laughs> if you had a second chance, he may not be, but right now he is. <laughs> All right, but if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, now, 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 okay, let me go. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Wherefore, my brethren, you got it yet? Or likewise, my brethren, you have undergone death as to the law through the crucified body of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ dying set us free from the law. The law was the guy we was married to. That if you get some other way, then you was committing adultery. But now Jesus came and the law died. So that now you may belong to another. See that? To him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Okay, we left the law. 
and married Jesus. See, now we are free. And whom the Son set free is what? Free indeed. Amen. I'm going a little further with it now. So the law applies to a person that is living there in Romans out of the scripture I just read you. Christians are no longer subject to the law or its power. See, God condemned sin in the flesh through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I won't read that, but that's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. God condemned sin in the flesh through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, God sent Jesus to become sin so that the righteous and just fulfillment of the law might fully be met in those who live by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit, Romans 8, 4 through 11. Now, when God gave His Son, Jesus, He suspended the law. He did away with it. And through Jesus, you have been called to liberty and freedom from sin, and you don't have to sin if you don't want to. It's an option. You can if you want to, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. Why? Because we've been set free from it. Liberty, liberty has no boundaries. And we do not use the liberty God has given us as an excuse to sin. We have been set free. We have been made free from the law of sin and death. That law no longer controls our life. But now we are free. And that freedom has no boundaries in it. But do you use that freedom as an opportunity to sin? No. You don't sin, but you walk in the liberty of the Spirit of God. See, walking in the Spirit will enable you to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit gives life, but walking in the flesh brings death. So the flesh or carnal way of thinking can only gain supremacy in your life when you are not walking in the Spirit or according to the Word of God. And I want to get that into your mind, into your thinking <coughs> this morning that some, some people just keep saying, well, you know, I just can't quite get going. I just can't quite get my foot on the rock. I'm just, I just, every time I try, I fall. And every time I do this, it don't work out. And I don't understand. Had, had a man call me, say, said, yesterday you prayed for me and I feel so good. And I, he said, what happened today? I don't feel good. I said, well, did you pray for yourself? No, I was wanting you to pray for me. I said, but well, I will pray for you, but you're going to have to pray for yourself. See, some people just don't have enough ump about them to just go ahead and serve God. There's a war out there, and it's between your spirit and your flesh. And you're going to have to do battle with that war, with that flesh, in order to win the victory in whatever area you want to be victorious in. If you want to listen to me, if you want to be victorious in the financial realm, my friend, God has a plan here. You're going to have to get your flesh under subjection and obey what thus saith the Word of God and allow that spirit man to, to, to walk in the Spirit of God and then you'll have the finances that God says you'll have. God will break free for you. Amen. You want to live healthy? Well, you've got to do what the Word of God says. I mean, you can't be healed uh, and, and walk around talking about how sick you are. 
You're giving in to the flesh. You can't be financially blessed and walk around and talk about how broke you are. But see, what most people do, if I ain't got any money in my pocket, I'm broke. Don't ever say you're broke. Don't ever say you don't have any money. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't ever get down and say, well, you know, I'm so sick. I can't hardly stand myself. You may be laying in a hospital somewhere, but then say the word of God. Some things have to be spoken. I read that to you in John 17. You gotta say it. Go ahead and say, by stripes I'm healed. I hear what the doctor said. I hear what my family said, but I also hear what what the word of God said, and by stripes I am healed. By the word of God. I'm not a failure. I'm an overcomer. Amen. I'm not walking under. I'm walking over. I'm not going to sit down and cry. I want to get up and fight. Man, I'm telling you what, there's a devil out there and I can whip him. And I always said, if I ever found anybody I can whip, I'd whip him every day. So therefore, devil, look out, you're going to get your tail kicked every single day that I'm on planet Earth. I feel tough here now. The answer to all issues and temptations of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. There's no sin that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse. But what if I sin? What if I sin? Well, what if you do? Run to God. Amen. Amen. Get the blood over it. God, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I, I promise you I won't do it no more. In Jesus' name, get up and get right back in the fight. You ain't lost an inch. You ain't lost anything. There's no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you'll try to restrain yourself from sin through imposing restrictions on yourself and, and by your own willpower. Do you, know, do you know why we don't need a list of do's and don'ts? Because people try not to do them in their own self. Up, up, you know, I, I don't know, shouldn't have done that. You know, I got my rules over here. No, you're trying to have willpower. Walk in the Spirit. You won't do it. Amen. Walk after the things of the Spirit. You won't do it. That's what we're supposed to be doing. In order to be successful in life, Christians have to walk in the Spirit. See, walking in the Spirit ultimately boils down to walking in the love of God. And when you walk in the Spirit, you'll display the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And when you were born again, the Holy Spirit poured the love of God into your heart. I mean, He did. I mean, when, when I was born again that morning on, on August the 18th, 1974, I mean, I even loved my mother-in-law. Amen. You don't think I didn't take God? Amen. My wife knows it too. It took a move of God in my life. To bring love to my mother-in-law. Praise God. I had a bumper sticker that says, my mother-in-law's in the trunk. <laughs> Wasn't going to let her out either. See, you have the ability to love other people as God loves them. 
Love is, is the opposite of selfishness. Right. Well, I could preach a sermon on selfishness. Every work of the flesh is based in selfishness. See? More, people are more concerned about what they can get other than what they can give. See, instead of, instead of struggling to give, we struggle to receive. <laughs> we, we're, we're more concerned with what is it that we can have other than what we can give. We ought to be more concerned what we can give to somebody more than what we can get from somebody. See, think spiritually by thinking in line with the Word of God and the love of God because the Word of God simply says that the love of God is power. So you don't have power unless you're walking in the Spirit. And if you don't love others, it's evidence that the love of God is not in you. See, when people don't love other people, well, then the love of God's not in them. Love is not greedy. It's not selfish. And it's not self-seeking. Now, walking in the Spirit and love of God is a choice. And for us to end the struggle of the flesh, we have to set our mind to walk in love. At all times. See, right. walking, it's, it's a choice to walk in the love of God. Now, I'll, I'll warn you. I'll warn you. You better be ready. Because the Spirit of God, you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want you to teach me how to love people. Well, get ready. The most unlovable thing there is walking on planet Earth come by your way. And rub your nose in what you just said. Because hmm? see, sadly to say that our teaching is not what creates the love of God in you. It's your ability to choose to walk in that. Right. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you walk in that. Ask Him to be gentle. <laughs> Them don't send the, don't send the most unlovable. Just send one that's kind of that way, you know. We'll we'll love him, and make it somebody I like to love. <laughs> you know, some some things we like to love, some things we don't. I love I love to love children. I have time with children, loving children. It's their mom and daddy that you have a problem with. Amen. <laughs> All right, stand with me. <laughs>